Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Dr. Margarita Manso, an associate member of the EAU guidelines panel for female lower urinary tract symptoms, discussing female stress urinary incontinence, or SUI. Why does stress urinary incontinence, or SUI, happen? Stress urinary incontinence, the leakage of urine on exertion or effort, occurs because of two common, often overlapping mechanisms. The first is the loss of support of the bladder, neck and urethra, which leads to urethral hypermobility, and the second is the weakness of the urinary sphincter complex itself, termed intrinsic sphincter deficiency. At times of increased intra-abdominal pressure, if the urethra is not properly supported or the sphincter is not competent, urine leakage will occur. Risk factors for that include aging, parity, previous pelvic surgeries, trauma, radiotherapy, and neurological disease. In practice, almost all treatments are used for both subtypes of stress urinary incontinence, but most treatments tend to be more successful in patients with urethral hypermobility compared to patients with isolated intrinsic weakness of the urinary sphincter. And what treatments do patients with SUI have at their disposal? They have conservative management and surgery. Conservative management includes mainly lifestyle interventions and pelvic floor muscle treatment and should be the first line of treatment. Lifestyle interventions include diet, modulation of fluid intake, regulation of bowel habit, physical activity and weight loss. Pelvic floor muscle treatment improves the function of the pelvic floor and should be offered supervised as first-line treatment to all women for at least three months. When these measures are not successful, patients may wish to consider vaginal devices such as incontinence pessaries, particularly if they want to avoid or are unfit for surgery. What are the principal surgeries available for SUI? The main operation for stress urinary incontinence are bulking agents, colpo suspension, synthetic midurethral slings, autologous facial slings, and external compression devices such as ACT and artificial urinary sphincter. Bulking agents form an artificial cushion around the urethra and increase the resistance at the bladder outlet and facilitate continence. There are several types of materials on the market and they may provide short-term uh, improvement and cure in women with stress urinary incontinence. However, they are less effective than other surgical procedure according to subjective improvement after treatment and repeat injections may be required in order to achieve sustained benefits. Bulking agent injection is generally safe and the most frequent adverse event is UTI. Of course, urinary retention may also occur, especially with a periurethral route of injection. Autologous fat or hyaluronic acid should not be used due to the risk of fatal embolism and local abscess formation. Regarding suspension, open suspension was previously considered the most appropriate surgical intervention for stress urinary incontinence and was used as the comparator in RCTs of newer, less invasive surgical techniques, including the laparoscopic approach. 
Good subjective cure rates are associated with both open and laparoscopic suspension for treatment of stress urinary incontinence, but they are appreciably higher for open compared to laparoscopic. Nevertheless, laparoscopic suspension has a shorter duration and subsequent hospital stay and may be slightly more cost-effective when compared with open suspension. Laparoscopic suspension is associated with higher rates of intraoperative bladder perforation and postoperative vaginal dysfunction compared to open suspension. After this surgery, prolapse may also develop. Concerning Midrethral slings, they are now the most frequently used surgical intervention in Europe for women with stress urinary incontinence. Traditionally, the retropubic and the transobturator routes of insertion have been used, but more recently, good evidence for the single incision slings has emerged. Synthetic midrethral slings inserted by the retropubic or transobturator route provide equivalent patient-reported outcomes at one year, but the retropubic route has a higher patient-reported cure rate in the long term, despite both having high satisfaction rates. They show a sustained response beyond 10 years. Retropubic slings have higher intraoperative risk of bladder perforation and a higher rate of voiding dysfunction. Transobturator slings are associated with higher rates of groin pain. The comparative efficacy of the Altis and Adjust single incision slings against conventional midrethral slings is equivalent, according to a recent large RCT. These mini slings were non-inferior to the standard midrethral slings with respect to patient-reported success at 15 months, and the percentage of patients reporting success remained similar in the two groups at the 36-month follow-up. Regarding autologous slings, the ester systematic review showed that this kind of slings, either retosheth or fasciolata, had a higher cure rate at one year than any other treatment. And the sucra score regarding w- women cured after autologous facial sling was the highest with 89%. However, the added morbidity of the facial harvest should be considered in the preoperative discussion and Voiding difficulties and postoperative UTI appears to be more common after autologous link. Finally, the external compression devices are usually used for treatment of recurrent stress urinary incontinence after failure of previous surgery, but can be considered for primary treatment. Studies have largely included patients with profound intrinsic failure of the sphincter mechanism and the two intracorporeal external urethral compression devices available are the Adjustable Compression Therapy, ACT, and the Artificial Urinary Sphincter. The major advantage of the Artificial Urinary Sphincter over other anti-incontinence procedures is the perceived ability to be able to void normally and more recent systematic review revealed complete continence rates of 61 to 100%. Rates of explantation were 0 to 45%, erosion rates were 0 to 22%, and mechanical failure rates were 0 to 44%. As you can see, artificial urinary sphincter can provide excellent functional outcomes in women with stress urinary incontinence resulting from intrinsic urethral sphincter deficiency 
but are associated with significant morbidity. Partially, this is explained by the fact they are offered mostly as a second-line treatment. What about vaginal lasers for SUI? The overall quality of the studies regarding lasers is poor. There is a high variation in laser settings in protocols, short-term follow-up, lack of urodynamic evaluation, and poor reporting of appropriate objective measures and adverse events. So, based on available literature, lasers cannot currently be recommended as a treatment option for stressor in our incontinence, and we should only offer laser treatments as part of a well-regulated research trial. Thank you for joining Dr. Margarita Manso for this episode of EAU Podcasts on Female Stress Urinary Incontinence. For further information on the EAU guidelines on female lower urinary tract symptoms, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.